I love movies. Gosh, I love movies. And here we go. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the Grindhouse Podcast, and we're here to kick the tires and light the fires into the new year. Matt, how was your Christmas? It was good. I really uh, kicked the tires and bit the wires and all that stuff. It was. Uh, you're not. You're not supposed to bite the wires. Yeah. It's bad for you. That's <laughs> how I do all my dance, my best dance moves. I just find the, the, the I, I like that. As soon as that Christmas music comes on, I just grab that chain of Christmas lights and I bite in, chomp down on it. And yeah. Just get a little, little just, get a bolt. I get groovy. That's actually you, something that that did happen to my brother. He had a scar on his lip most of our childhood from uh, when he was about two years old. I just saw him crawl under a table and his legs start wiggling, and uh, yeah, he was biting Christmas wires <laughs> or Christmas lights, like like annually. <laughs> no, no, it was just a, just a thing. Just, just a one I just time. remember that. Yeah, I was a little older than him, and I just remember watching him like crawl under this table and, and just start wiggling and stuff. <laughs> and the lights were flickering, and and he, he was biting. Good. Yeah, he was just biting Christmas lights, and he, he's uh, he learned he learned. Well, Something. it sounds like he knows how to kick in the new year, right? Bite some Christmas lights and drink yeah. some spiked eggnog. Hell yeah. yeah. Turn that party it. to 11. Yeah, it's a good combo. The nog complements the electric, the low voltage bulbs. It's really fun. Uh, well, no, and it's been a good Christmas, man. It's been cool. Uh, I got some presents. I gave some presents. I still have like two more Christmases to go because my family's all spread out. So yeah, right. we're, uh, we're, we're, we're capping those off this weekend, though. But uh uh, no, it's been fun. You know, got some very cool. Santa was very good cool. to everybody. Um, that's awesome. I I was stayed in Los Angeles because I'm a little traveled out, and uh, my fiance is in Australia, and my family, as you know, is back in Texas. So, uh, although my sister and nephew and brother-in-law are here today, so if you hear any babies in the background, that's why. But um, no, so I just stayed home and drank mostly and binged Death Note. D- Death Note, the anime. That's a pretty good one. Yes, yes. Cool. I very didn't cool. dare watch the. Netflix version. It looked pretty bad. I watched that. It wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. I've seen worse. What I gravitated to so much with watching Death Proof is that it's like a it's like a, a Sherlock um, Moriarty cat and mouse game for most of the show. Then it kind of goes slightly off the rails at the end there. But I mean, I love I love that sort of combativeness, like two super geniuses going at one another, like. Who's going to win the chess game? Like, that was super fun. So that was most of my Christmas. Outside of, I also had a, a Christmas uh, Christmas Eve lunch with my friend and friend of the show, Nigel McGuinness, wrestling legend from the UK. And then uh, I went into another friend's house on Christmas Day, and we had dinner and ate vegan pie and enjoyed some of California's best crops. So it was great. It was a great evening uh, all the way around. It sounds like things have been pretty, pretty fun. Pretty maybe a little rowdy because you did just call Death Note Death Proof, so you maybe just oh no catching up on some. Uh, I some mean, look, rest. it might be uh, in your future. That's true. That's true. Well, listen, so we like to party here at the Grand House. That's pretty <laughs> evident. Uh, and if you if you needed no other other example of us partying hard, it's we are both currently wearing adult sized onesies. That's right. Yeah, I this just wasn't planned. I just happened to have one. He has one. Uh, uh, my my fiance it was really important to her that we both dress like animals. She was an octopus and I was a chimpanzee, and so uh, uh, so uh, well, yeah. I, I do. I think I know the reference you're talking about. Munchichis was like a toy from the '80s or something. It was a cartoon. Yeah, cartoon. They must have had toys. Every cartoon in the '80s. They yeah, toys. they all had. That's the whole point of it. Yeah, most of those cartoons, in fact, came toy first. They would invent a toy and then say, shit, we need some kind of story for this thing. Our kids aren't going to buy it. Like He-Man. That's exactly the story of He-Man. Yeah, Yeah, there was just a toy. They were uh, the company that produced He-Man. I I don't remember if it was. It wasn't Jenner. It was uh, because Jenner got Star Wars. Yeah, it it doesn't matter. Mattel. Mattel. Mattel, yeah. Mattel passed on Star Wars. Uh, because there was a you know this movie coming out that no one really heard of, and they were way behind, and so they 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 tried to they had to come up with something that could combat against the Star Wars toys that were just going crazy, and so one of the artists took uh, an old you know I think it was a I don't, I'm not sure if it was Conan the Barbarian or it was man. some oh, yeah some yeah. action guy, and he like just put all this clay on it to make him like so much bigger yeah. And that eventually became He-Man. And then they were like, well, we got to have a backstory. So then came the comic book that came in with the toy. And then came the cartoon. And then came 
the god-awful Dolph Lundgren movie. Well, someone has been watching The Toys That Made Us on Netflix. It's excellent. I love I love the ability to like take a look back and and see some of those really like defining moments. Like like uh, Netflix has a bunch of these shows out. They they do them every year. Moments that define the seventies, music that define the sixties. Like all those sort of nostalgia trips are are kind of cool. And I think it's fitting because we're at the end of not only a year but also a decade. I mean, it's it's kind of cool, but I you know I'm a modern guy, man. I like you know going to see the Avengers with my bay. You know, playing with my fidget spinner, listening to some mumble rap. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm really glad that finally that women are starting to be represented as superhero films. And it's like, I feel like cinema's finally like really woke and things are just, you know, really cool. But I I do, I have been, I want to let the listeners know I am a little down, like a little sick lately because uh, I feel like some of the neighbors are uh, vaccinating their kids and I'm a big time anti-vaxxer. And uh, so, yeah, what? Listen, listen, the decade's over, man. You got to put all that stuff away. What are you talking about? Papa's got a brand new bag and a brand new year. Put what stuff decade. away? What do, you, what do you mean? I'm just talking all like a, that. Like, I'm just talking like a modern guy. But it's not modern anymore. You're living in the past, man. You've got like four days left. The past? What do you say? Are you the saying? Past is here. It's time to go into the future. It's, it's the tens, man. I'm talking like a guy from the tens. No, the tens are done. What's They're a, done. We're what, moving on to the twenties. The, the roaring twenties. That was like a hundred years ago. Uh, hey, tell no, me, sir. Hey, we're back. Hey, Telegram like, Sam. Why don't you get with the times? Uh, the twenties are over. Just like bell bottoms and fringe jackets, sir. They've made a comeback. You're saying the twenties are back? They are back, and they're roaring louder than ever. But how can it be the twenties? I mean, there's uh, internet. Yes, yes, the internet in the twenties, because time is a flat circle. And all moments exist simultaneously, infinitely. But, you know, you bring up a good point. You bring up a good point. It's hard to let go. It's hard to let go of the past. I understand. It just took you 10 years to catch up with the lingo of the decade. And, <laughs> you know, enjoy that. Is, is, is anti-vaxxer a tens thing? Are we, I definitely you, is. Think? I think so, too. Yeah. I think it's going to be one of those things. Remember the tens? Remember measles coming I, back? I think <laughs> Ebola. Ebola. Remember Ebola? I, I mean, yeah. look, <laughs> there are a lot of things about the tens that we could get into. And I thought it might be kind of fun if, if we did that. We take a little look back. And, you know, before we move forward. Sometimes it's important to look backwards. Those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. So it might be fun for us to take a look back at the 2010s, you know, before we say our final farewells and talk about some of the things that define this decade. Things like plagues coming back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Antichrist not, not as president. The Antichrist. What, which anti? Well, because uh, I thought that was more of a, uh, a two, 2004 to 2012 to no two, 2008 to 2016 thing because uh, well that would conservatives uh, be half, they they were that'd be half the in this decade remember listen yeah, listen yeah regardless been, of what, we've had a conservative antichrist and now we have a, a, a liberal antichrist that's right? right every group gets to have their everyone their, has their an nemesis. antichrist yeah it's like oprah one. oprah oprah when she does her special shows you get an antichrist you get an antichrist yeah. you get an antichrist so antichrist for all so, but hopefully that won't be a twenties thing. Hopefully the twenties will just not. be back to boring presidents that no one cares about. Uh, but yeah, and you're right. Yeah, that was a big, the big defining thing of the tens was everybody got to have a, a, a antichrist, a messiah into the world person yes. that they got to follow. How fun was that? Well, you have to share with everyone. It's like when you were in school and you had a piece of gum, and the teacher asked if you had enough for the class. The tens were all about having enough for the class. And, and so I thought, you know, we, we, we talk about movies and we talk about art and, you know, obviously art and, and society and life are so interwoven that I think that we could take an opportunity to look at some of the, the, the movies that best define the tens. Yes. Yes. That's a good, that's a good idea. Let's, let's, uh, let's preempt those. Hey, remember the nineties, remember the eighties, remember the tens, uh, specials. Yeah. And let's, let's do one now while we're still here. So That's we, right. we can make sure we're 100% accurate. That's right. And then we will go into the future. Future, future, future. I don't know if I'm ready, man. All right. So what? So to you, Matt, what was what were some of the, the defining characteristics of the 10s? Uh, well, definitely uh, the thing I started on with my little rant there, uh, but comic book movies. Uh, I think. Oh, uh, yeah? The, yeah, yeah. I think that films like the Avengers uh it's going to be uh you know something that is is very tens 
I don't think yeah, we're going to see yeah. a lot of that kind of stuff moving forward. You know what I think is going to be the uh, a, a big tens movie. You know, kind of like how uh, Die Hard's an eighties movie or uh, sure, so, right? I think Deadpool is actually going to be one that people are going to say, "Oh uh, yeah, yeah, man, Chimichanga's De- Deadpool cos- cosplay." You know, all that stuff. That's going to be like people that you know. Twenty years from now, are doing like a tens thing. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna do Deadpool. I think that was actually that. much bigger than we realized. I think that because there's a there's a lot of '80s movies that were kind of they were they were big hits in the '80s, but right. are now like defining '80s movies. You know what I mean? Like uh, Pretty in Pink. Pretty yeah, because because we still watch them because they're good. They're the good ones. Right. I, I right. think. I or think, uh, looking looking forward at the '90s, like a Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, it's like a very 90s thing and it's still but you still watch it today cuz it's awesome and so it defines a decade uh more so than maybe some of the bigger hits of the time and I think at I do predict that more more than the Avengers Deadpool will be a tens movie. Okay. All right. I buy that. I buy that. You know, I I was thinking I was like, okay, what defines the 2010s and I, so I started decided to go back a little bit. And if you go back to say um you know, I'll just go back to within my lifespan. You look at the 80s. A lot of those those movies that you're referring to, those classic movies, those were largely defined not by class warfare, but class ascension. You know, it's like the girl or the boy from the wrong side of the tracks falls in love with the rich kid with the heart of gold. And or like uh, was Pretty Woman in the 80s? It was, it Pretty felt, Woman, it, very it feels 80s. 80s. I think it might have been like early enough 90s that you could still say it's 80s. Yeah, it was very much It was very much a decade defined by schlock, obviously, but also like this idea that you can rise above your class status if you fall in love with the right person. Yeah. You know, or like if you make the the right wager, you know, with some old rich dudes and like you know, turn the tables on them, then you can now then be in power. Like it was a lot of, a lot of that, a lot of like, um, uh, you know, like major league, like the guys who suck at baseball, if they're motivated, they'll be good. This was, these were like very defining eighties movies, you know, like Ascension stories. Yeah. People, the Ascension stories. Then you had, yeah. Yeah. Then you had the nineties, which was kind of like the slacker stories. And I know that's like for the nineties, like it's so thrown around, but really, if you think about it, it's like, what is Dazed and Confused about? A bunch of people hanging out. Dude, Dude. Polly Shore owned the decade, man. Owned I, it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he had he, like four was, major blockbuster films. Uh, yeah, He was all, the wheat this, easel. This, yeah. It's so stupid. Uh, but uh, he was, people he was loved drinking it. the juice. Uh, Wayne and Garth. Uh, Wayne's World. Wayne and Garth. Um, Pulp yeah. Fiction we talked about. Like, it's a bunch uh, of dudes talking. Pulp, Pulp Fiction is, um, you know, it's about the mafia and it's some pretty hardcore stand-up but, dudes. But they, you can see there is t- they some of the people they interact with have that slacker, like because they go to that one uh, apartment and there there's some dudes like smoking weed and hanging out on the couch. Well, not only and, that, but even the mafia guys, like they sit down and talk all the time. They're just talking. It was a movie defined by Kevin Smith's Clerks. People talking. Yeah, Pulp yeah, Pulp Fiction yeah. mafia members talking. Uh, swingers, swingers, yeah, hip, hip swing kids talking. It was a decade of people having conversation, cigarettes, and coffee. I miss that generation. Then we had the two thousands, right? Okay. The aughts, as they're referred to, and that I was really struggling. Like, what defines that? And I think it's two movies: The Matrix and Avatar. Okay. And to me, that was the CGI. That was the technology era. Because I'm trying to think of any movies in the in the aughts that were like really memorable, and yeah. I can't think of any at all. All I remember is like movies were all suddenly 3D, and they all looked like video games. Yeah, you know, three stupid 3D movies, man. Having to, yeah, everything coming out in 3D, and and that's still going on. Apparently, I forget that. But yeah, they're, they're I totally like, forget too. Uh, someone uh, I posted on Facebook on my uh, a friend of mine. Oh, we just went and saw Star, the new Star Wars in 3D. I said, why the Why the hell is the new Star Wars in 3D? What for who? Who would want? Like, <laughs> but but and I'm not saying that good movies didn't come out in the aughts. I'm just saying that when you think back of it. That's what I remember. I just remember the technology sort of boom. I guess you had the prequels came out in the aughts, maybe. The Star Wars prequels, again, overuse of CGI. Yeah. Avatar, overuse of CGI. Um, the Christian Bell rant, which was great. You got to give it that. Is that, that has aged. Uh, that Pretty was, sure. uh, but, uh, yeah, about 10 years old. Uh, yeah, I but, could see that. Because yeah, in the aughts, it was, uh, 
you would uh, movies would be released and you could find theaters that were showing 2D versions of them. And yeah. now that has reversed. The major release is, is back to the 2D. Uh, right. And, the and now is, the, the 3D is uh, kind of sprinkled in there. But yeah, it was right. it was definitely the age of the spectacle, right? Where movies right. became more of a spectacle than movies. And in, in, in stark contrast to, to the 90s where it was a lot more like our tour driven. Uh, so that brings us to the 10s. The 10s. What defines the 10s? And there's one phrase that I think is overarching. And I think it encompasses what you said about the comic book movies as well. Grabbed by the pussy. That's got to be. That's that's the phrase of our decade. No, but... but it is. No. It's it's the Gorbachev but, tear down this wall but, of uh, the 10s. Yeah, but but it's not just that. It's it's arrested development. <laughs> sorry, sorry, you didn't like that. I just I just no, threw that at you, and you just ooh, didn't want to go there. Sorry, <laughs> no, I, got a, I got a visual. I'm a very visual listener. <laughs> well, um, he didn't say that in the tens, but I, I do I do think that's going to be one of those. Uh, oh yeah, you know, yo, I want at least my MTV, the half, second half. You know, it's going to be one of those. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, it's arrested development, and I think it's I think it is. Um, I think that it's really telling that the show Arrested Development had a renewal in the 2010s. Was it yeah. always in the 2010s or did it start in the aughts? What, Arrested Development? That show yeah. is like uh, 15 years old or something, man. Right, but it came yeah. back in the in the 10s. Yeah, yeah, it did, yeah. Okay, so I think that's appropriate because nothing defines this decade more than largely male, but not strictly, Arrested Development in their in their cinematic maturity. Oh, I thought, not, you, I thought you were bringing it up because of remakes, reboots, and returns. Well, which yes, is a I'm very actually. That's exactly thing I would say. That's that's exactly where I'm going with that because oh, it okay. feels like what dominated this decade was a desperate cry for nostalgia. Now, yeah. be that you know, and, and some of the here's some of the prime examples you mentioned the comic book movies, hundred percent, right? Um, Star Wars. We did one episode with with Chris from the Gerbils Gerbils podcast. Um, uh, we haven't talked about the, the rise of Skywalker in depth, and I'm not going to. But um, uh, you know, the the Star Wars resurgence. Um, you know, uh, even uh, you you mentioned Deadpool, right? Deadpool, comic book movie, another comic book movie. Ghostbusters, remember that whole debacle? We did a whole episode on that. Yeah. And then all the reboots and reruns and re re re. It, it yeah, is a decade because we're not that, even mentioning like oh well Star Wars returned that defines the tens because everything returned you know? everything came back <laughs> every, everything came it was back Night of the Living and, Dead over here things just popping out of their graves man Vincent and Price's everyone voice had is yeah everyone had a very strong opinion on them and what gave way from these movies this these movies that were and and when I say Arrested Development I know that that's going to come off as condescending and it's it's not meant to be per se. Um, I understand. I think I've mentioned this before in other in other podcasts. I understand why people look backwards. You know, we especially when we talk about the knots, right? Where neither you nor I can really think about movies that define them in any sort of real meaningful way. I mean, I could name some movies like Hostel or like The Human Centipede, or I'm sure there are other ones, but I don't can't think of anything that just really stands out. And so you went from a generation in the '90s that was pretty introspective, a lot of talking to a decade of pretty soulless movies, at least the big ones, right? To now a generation of people looking backwards, all the way back to like the 80s predominantly, you know? Uh, looking back to a time when they felt good, when they were kids and they they had maybe less responsibilities and the world was, at least in, from their more childlike eyes, a better place. And it's an escape for a lot of people. It's It's... It's adult escapism taken to its absolute extreme. I, I feel the same way. I I have noticed what you're talking about. I've kind of tried to ignore it, but there is definitely something happening where cartoons from the 80s, things from the 90s, It's all and it's all stuff for our generation, it seems. It's just yeah. returning, and it's not really stuff that we missed. But then when we hear, oh, it's coming back, we're, I want to watch that too. Because uh, we have talked about that in the past, how a lot of things are coming back because they're giving them a chance for a new generation to enjoy them. But I, there right. is a lot of things returning. I'm trying to think of what comes to mind right now, but I do feel that there has been a lot of things returning that I'm going, this isn't returning for the kids. This is for well, us. Well, you know, we, we talked about Black Christmas. That, that's, a, that's a remake of a remake. You know, we talk about, um, you know, you're right. Like, look, it's like 
in pro wrestling, for example, the average audience of WWE is 50 years old. Yeah, really? Okay? I didn't realize yeah. that. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's like uh, getting close to Fox News age average audience. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Wow. And look, again, I'm not against any of this. I love plenty of geek culture. I know that sometimes I come on this podcast and I kind of rail against it, but it's mostly because what has unfortunately come from this resurgence of stuff, right? You know, when we were kids, when we were kids, just to backtrack slightly, like when we were kids, it was cool to read. Like for me, like I love Thor comics, right? I That was like my go-to. I mean, Spider-Man also and like the other Batman, what have you. But like Thor was, was like the first thing that I was really gravitate towards because I had found a book on Norse mythology in elementary school and had read it. And then I saw the comic book. Ah, uh, sure. And, and when I was a kid, like I made thor's hammer out of like you know those those green strawberry crates that they used to come in yeah i think i know what you're talking about. yeah yeah so, you, so my mom really took us yeah my mom took a stack of both of those right and she and she taped them together and then she took a paper towel roll she cut a hole she made that the handle and then she wrapped tin foil around the strawberry crates and made thor's hammer like that's what you had to do back then and so now many of us or at the age where we either have kids or we have young nephews and nieces and those things that we loved as a kid, they're now in live action and they're pretty good, right? Or at least they're solid. It's like you get to see that come to life and that's cool. And I'm all about that. However, the offshoot of that is toxic fandom and that has become rampant. Huh? Okay. Amongst We saw it with the, the all-female Ghostbusters. Now, whether or not that movie was good or not, the vitriol and, and hate that was spewed on it was largely centered around the fact that how dare women take over these roles. Yeah, the Tins definitely had a sort of a fanboy revolt to a lot of stuff that was going on. It was it was Gamergate. Yeah, it was like the age where uh, a lot of uh, you know dumb chodes got a voice and got to pool their their resources together and take on these imaginary uh, enemies of, of women taking over or whatever the hell they thought was going on. But yeah, plenty of that dumb stuff. It's almost like, do you remember those old comic book strips where like the, the buff guy like kicks sand and the nerd and he's like, it was always for like some weightlifting. Yeah. The, you know, the, I think it's Charles Atlas uh, weightlifting yeah. program. I, I know what you're yeah. talking about. I actually, that's a little before my time, but uh, I, I'm familiar sure. with the comic book flex Mentalo, which is a character that, orders it's just you ever read that one it's great it's a superhero no. uh, grant morrison wrote it it's a superhero that uh i love grant morrison he um he was the nerdy kid on the beach and he ordered that book and then by doing the things in the book he got magical super muscles and it's the dumbest story ever but it's hilarious does he kill a bunch of people because i no, feel like that'd be appropriate no he's he's a really good guy it's hilarious you gotta well, see like i think in real out. life it's, it's it's a spinoff of in... doom patrol which also got a show uh, yeah yeah <laughs> well well I think in real life, what happens to the nerdy kid that bought the Char- the Charles Atlas workout program is he became a dick on 4chan. Uh, well, I, I don't think so because those those guys go to the gym and get really strong, or the 4chan guys aren't really known for their amazing pre- I, physique it's, it's and a, prowess, a, you know? It's a metaphor for the internet, man. <laughs> okay. Um, in real life, those it, nerds didn't go get, you know exercise or eat healthy they just got the internet We're getting away and from the, the internet gave them digital muscles yeah and with digital muscles they became bigger dicks than the than the buff guys that kick sand in their eyes uh, just and that's what i think speaking of mm-hmm. my uh electronic band digital muscles will be playing at the uh, roxy um junior on uh this saturday we're doing a little pre-year's yeah. eve party so Come check it out. Digitally, digital muscles. Digitally only, though. Uh, getting, getting away from the toxic culture stuff. Uh, uh, getting back to what you were talking about. There, right. Um, about stuff being made. Is it made for us? Is it made for kids? Uh, and so, you know. And, and, uh, and mind you, one of the, this is two grown men. Mind you, this is two grown men mm-hmm. in animal onesies talking about arrested development. I have to preface that. That's fine. We get the That's irony. Fine. We, we, <laughs> I have mine for a good cause. Um, yes. But my Stranger Things, I think, will be, the, the the television oh, show yeah. on Netflix, Stranger Things, will be, I think, one of the tens uh, shows also. Oh, 100%. Uh, and that's an interesting one because it. my niece loves it. She's probably, I think she's 12 now, and she loves it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was talking with her mom about how it's, it's weird that they like this. Sh- Not weird that they like it. It's a great show, but... Uh, just how many of the references I wonder she gets, you know, when they're singing the never ending story theme song, uh, right. All the, all the stuff in there. And, uh, I say, 
that's that's what I can't figure out with this show. Is it for kids or is it for our generation? Who because it, it's got so much nostalgia shoved into it. And uh, she she was like, no, it's definitely for them. This is uh, she said this is like their Goonies and this is their Ghostbusters. And I right. thought that's that's so that's cool, but that's so strange that their Goonies is set during our childhood, where well, our, our remember, Goonies was actually set in our own period. Well, you got to remember though, like the we. We were probably too young. I bet you like if I bet you someone who's of a generation beyond us or maybe a generation and a half above us would be like the Goonies. That's basically like X, Y and Z rolled into one, you know? Well, sure. But I, what but I'm saying is I don't remember anything from our childhood that was like that 80s defining generation defining stuff that we still refer back to as being set in the 60s or the 70s. Well, but I know. Yeah, no, I get that. And you're right about it being set there. But like. I'm pretty sure there's some Captain Blood references in the Goonies that we probably just didn't pick up on. What's Captain you Blood? Know? Yeah, exactly. It's an Earl Flynn movie from like the 50s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so my, my point being is that what happens is, is like people who grew up on the Goonies went on to be adults and now they write the movies and their idea of writing a film that will speak to kids of today is to write what they knew as kids. Now, you could certainly make the argument, and I think this plays in part with our sort of the idea of this of this decade being defined by arrested development, is that people of our age and and what I mean by that is like young Gen Xers, old millennials, lean way too heavy on nostalgia in order to make their point. Like there may be some Captain Blood references in the Goonies, but it's not set in the era of black and white. You know, swashbuckling films. I have a different theory on why there's so many things from the tens were set in the eighties and nineties, seventies, sixties, but mostly eighties and nineties. I think that we are still. I think. I think we're about. That's going to be a really tense thing. Nostalgia films, and I think the Mm. reason is not because of Arrested Development, but more because of writers having the obstacle of technology. We've talked about this before, about how horror films are harder to make when people have cell phones, you, when you oh, can't sure, get yeah. lost, when you can't get stranded because you could call for help, uh, when you can't, you know, I think I know where yeah, you're going. When, when you don't have to worry about, oh, shit, I don't have my wallet because anybody with a cell phone could favor some food to us right away. Uh, you know, there's just no big there's just so many uh, obstacles that are tropes and cliches and um, horror movies, action movies, comedies, all, all of these films that we uh you know that that we've that we love. There, there's so many tropes and cliches that are just necessary for those kinds of plots that technology fixes. And so, so like, I, I saw a sci-fi film recently. Uh, it was a Doom. It was the new Doom movie, and it's terrible. By the yeah, way, we've right. talked about it. It's terrible. But but one of the things that struck me was so many of the futuristic uh, things that the Space Marines were doing uh, was technology, just current technology. They had like ta- yeah, right. tablets that didn't even look as good as the new iPad. They, one one guy was playing a right. virtual reality game that was like at least three years old now, you know. But and, I would make and the this argument is supposed that- to be set, you know, hundred years in the future, and it, and, it, and so that's what I'm saying. I think it, moving out of the, I think that that the nostalgia thing is going to be a tens thing because I think moving into the twenties, sure, p- writers are going to finally be of a generation that was raised with this stuff and knows how to write including it and not you know and not just pretend cell phones don't exist or whatever well i hear you on that but but do you think it's possible that part of because to me when i hear that my first reaction is we'll write more original stuff which then goes to then which then goes to my original point like is it possible that the reason why this stuff is written not i mean obviously not everyone there's a lot of amazing art that came out and i'll talk about that next but do you think part of it is that like creators have arrested development as well and they only really know how to write in a style which they grew up on and they're not the forward thinkers of the past the gene rodberries you know the philip k dicks like you know they're not the, they're not quite the visionaries that another generation or two back would have would have necessarily uh, approached creating art in the same way well it's it's i just say it's tough man because it's it's a it's a challenge that no one could have predicted because like when we think of the most accurate and interesting sci-fi films and series that are out right now, it's not stuff like Philip K. Dick stuff. It's not stuff like Blade Runner anymore. That doesn't really look realistic to us. I mean, the, the latest Blade Runner was called Blade Runner 2049, which is set, you know, 29 years from now, well, I guess 30 years from now, we're still in 2019 today, 
But um, there's no way that's what the world's going to look like 30 years from now. We can uh, and what I'm saying is when we look at the most the most compelling science fiction coming out of this era right now, it's stuff like her and black mirror. It's stuff that has to do with how technology affects our personal relationships and how we emotionally connect to technology. It's, it's, it's no, it's not cyborgs and lasers and light speed anymore. It's just uh, a human connection. And, you know, (laughs) well, I think you could definitely tell that by the success or failure of the Terminator films. Exactly. That era of dystopian futuristic movies maybe has, is no longer relevant in the same way. And you're right. Look, and I think largely when it comes to like this era and, the, and whether or not people have an arrested development, or not, I think, and I know that you and I differ on this point, but in a lot of ways, the defining moments of this generation have largely been pretty terrible. You know, oh, when you look I, at I school shootings. I, I mean, well, the, yeah, I mean, I'm looking, yeah, look, I'm looking at a list. Moments, I'm looking, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a Vox article that just talked about like, and I, I just typed in like defining moments of the 2010s. So, you know, this is, uh, you know, up yeah, to them. And like, according uh, to... of course, it's media, you yeah, know, well, hey. but, but, you know, Gamergate, you know, police brutality and especially amongst the blacks community, school shootings, Trump. I mean, you could look at a lot, you know, the, the disconnection between communities uh, by way of, I won't put blame on it, but by way of social media um, in some instances, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that you could focus on that are very negative and disassociative. And, you know, the, 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 you know, I was talking to some friends the other day and how we've just given up on the idea of buying a house. You know, we're still like people of our age or maybe had a glimpse of an idea that there might be a future in front of us. And for mo- a lot of people, those, those hopes and ideals have been dashed away by reality. And certainly millennials don't even have those hopes and dreams at all, especially younger ones. So, from that perspective, I understand the need to look backwards at, a, at what's, quote unquote, a better time in the same way that, say, Archie Bunker looked back at the 50s thinking that, that was, those were the those are the good old days. Yeah, I think that the 2010s are like we have this Archie Bunker mindset looking backwards to the 80s like those were the days. Well, th- that's sad. I hope that those, that's not as common as you think it is. I- uh, I, the 20s are going to be amazing. Okay, don't don't uh, don't fear. All right, because uh, what you're saying about looking back at better times of the 80s, uh, uh, th- read some Steven Pinker, man. The, the data doesn't show that. It's we are a uh, a much much more civil uh, society. We're we're a lot more uh, educated. We're, we're there's a lot of really cool things going. And then moving forward, we've got some really amazing technology working for us. I mean. I am not a wealthy man and I own two 3D printers, which is not bragging at all, but it's like, I've got these humble brag really. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> you have no idea how affordable these things have gotten. But what I'm saying is like, I, I have this, this ability to invent and manufacture things, you know, right here in my house. Uh, there's stuff existing now. Solutions to problems are coming that, and are already here that are just incredible. And uh, I, I think that it is a little jarring. Things move so fast. And I think that it's not as much for our generation, but especially, you know, we see it in our parents' generation and the older people that they're they're just terrified of the current age. And uh, sure. uh, and, and it is a, a shame because, there, we you know, society always has that thing where the younger people look to the, the older people for advice and wisdom. They're supposed to be wise. And I think what you're describing of uh, millennials and, and, and uh, the new, newer generations uh, feeling a little hopeless is because they're getting advice from these terrified old old people who are going, oh, just, it's point. useless, just run away. But the truth is, well, no, it's it don't don't feel hopeless. There's plenty going on. It's a really cool time. But um, more more to getting back to entertainment, uh, which was kind of something we focus on. I I I predict that the 20s are going to have a lot more compelling stories. I don't think we're going to be so lost in remakes and reboots because I think that, like I'm saying, uh, films like her and Black Mirror uh, hinted at what the new generation of sci-fi will be like. And, and I think that we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to be at a point eventually where we start laughing at the idea of war in space and, uh, you know, evil robots because, uh, the, the, the civilization that could create that kind of stuff would be too smart to create that kind of stuff. You know, if we're well, a space fearing, 
class one civilization, we're uh, we're not still a racist bunch of mongrels that are having war and uh, you know idiots. Like uh, if we're if 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 our only source of power is solar energy because we finally tuned it that well, and uh, we can invent androids and all kinds of cool stuff. It, the the infrastructure required could not be supported by a dumb society that's still you know in in the bronze age thinking unfortunately unfortunately matt many of our greatest technological advances have come in a period with great racism and class warfare so not from those people and and, uh i was just saying for the the kind of the nazis huh the nazis the nazis advanced technology in quite a proficient manner they played with some rockets big deal they didn't create the atom bomb (laughs) they did was mostly nazi scientists uh they they played with some rockets big deal they they they've made some cool guns uh that's all i'll give them listen i'll hope i'll be hopeful because it's a new year new me new decade new me but we definitely, I definitely think that we need to change. And I think that you're right. There's a lot of opportunity to live a better life at our fingertips. Do we make that choice in the 2020? Or do we get on message boards and complain about whether or not the new Star Wars is good or not? Well, t- That's up to you people. T- t- That's up to the masses. can only tell. But more importantly, you think Netflix is going to stick around? Um. Yeah, I think they'll be around, but I think they'll probably get bought out by someone else. I mean, well, so here's the thing. I love how easy it is to just steer you. You're, you're talking about atom bombs, and I'm just going, who do you think is going to be the big streaming service uh, in the next 10 years? You're like, oh, good question. Well, so here's – so it's funny. So it's funny that you mentioned, like, technology, and and we talked about the 80s, right? What came out of the 80s? Well, the late 70s, 80s. What was, a, what was the response to Reaganism and um, – Margaret Thatcher and all this, all this, you know, greed is good sort of mentality of the eighties. Like what sprung forth? Nineties um, surf punk. No nah, man, punk rock, punk rock. <laughs> but the punk forth. rock of the nineties was like that's not like the big. I'm not talking about the nineties. I'm talking about the eighties. I'm talking in the eighties. Punk rock came. You well, know, you know, kind of came sprung about forth. Seventies. Seventy nine. That's the eighties. Earlier than that. Um, but I think similarly as a response to these nostalgic gooey films that are being mass produced by the larger studios, you have the rise of the auteur in particular. I mean, excellent horror has sprung forth. Now, again, this might seem in complete contrast to what we just talked about, but like in the shadows, in, in the space in between, you had some great, films come out you mentioned her you mentioned black mirror not horror but you know socially socially threatening films right social anxiety is being represented you have movies like um birdman right the whole movie is a giant existential crisis you had movies like uh it follows yeah right you had i mean there's just uh, ex machina yeah i mean you know, only lovers left alive. Drive. I mean, there are just some excellent, excellent films that came out in the shadows, in the dark places, if you chose to look at them. And even though the decade might be defined by, like, what essentially is the the disco of movies. You know, in <laughs> yeah, in the okay. same way, like, like disco was popular in the seventies. Yeah, like see that. from. Yeah, like or like a some some of the worst new wave, you know, of the eighties. Like, there are some great smaller films out there, and it's incumbent upon us to go to your local theater and find those indie gems because there are some great ones. I mean, I'm just looking at a list of like like Lady Bird, uh, Insidious, Get Out, The Witch. I mean, like I could go on and on. There's this, yeah, lots of really good stuff. These amazing, very original you know, ideas. The, the, yeah, yeah, like The Rise of Blumhouse. In in you know in, in its rise of prominence, Blumhouse. Yeah, the Blumhouse, the the studio, the production company. What, what, um, I'm not familiar with the production studios like like you would be. Uh, what what are some of theirs? Uh, I'll tell you. So some of the films that Blumhouse has done: Ma, Black Christmas, Get Out, uh, The Invisible Man, the the new Halloween, Don't Let Go, Glass, um. The Purge, you know the Purge. Yeah, that's a Black yeah. Klansman, um, The Gallows, Creep, 
uh, Paranormal Activity, Ouija, Prey. I mean, they've, they've yeah. just insidious, that's, all the purges, right? A lot right? of those have been on some, some of our lists this year that we've uh, recommended. That's, that's, that's right. Stuff. And, 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 what's, and what's great about them is that they're a company, they were founded in 2000, but they've really raised prominence post the Paranormal Activity films. And what's great about them uh, is they give an opportunity for smaller films to be successful. So what they do, what their model is, they make these like three to $5 million films and then they test them. And then Universal has a, a first look deal. And if they like it, they go back and they do reshoots and they usually recast for like bigger stars. And then you get like the purge, right? And so they have really championed some smaller film ideas and had some massive hits from it. Huh. Yeah, that, so that, you know, that's um, great. Yeah. And, and again, we, we mentioned Jordan Peele and the work that he's done. He went from like a sketch comedy show to doing these like really provocative, thought-provoking, like socially conscious films with both Get Out and Us. You have uh, Midsummer. We talked. We did. We did a two-parter on Midsummer. I mean, Mid- Midsummer was uh, Studio Twenty Four, wasn't it? I believe A Twenty Four. Yeah, that, yeah, and that's a great studio too. They, they've got some really cool stuff coming out. So yeah, that you know that, another movie. Actually, I thought of that defines the odds that we didn't mention, uh, which Chris from Gerbil Gerbils is gonna get mad at us, and that's Lord of the Rings. But what oh, has yeah, for sure. what what has Elijah Wood done in the tens? He's done Mandy. He's doing the new Nick Cage HP Lovecraft film, like his production but company. Elijah Wood Spectre Vision. Had something to do with Mandy. He produced it. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, I, I, he's um, got a company called Spectre Vision, and they produce these weirdo films. Oh, I, I was going to say uh, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, the series that he's been on. Uh, oh, I haven't seen that. Is it good? It's good. It's uh, who's who's that producer director that's like a real asshole, but he's kind of smart. The one he's kind of smart about comic books, and uh, he's somebody's kid. <laughs> Damn it! I'm so bad at this. Oh, oh, is it a uh, Max? Yeah, Max. <laughs> Max. Uh, Max what's Landing. The, what's is it Max Landing? Max. Yeah, that guy's a jerk. <laughs> is it Landing? Is that his he's name? a Landis. Max Landis. Max Landis, yeah. Max, oh, Max Landis is involved with that? Fuck yeah, that well, shit. <laughs> they did a great Fuck job Max on the show, Landis. but it is, yeah, he's kind of gross. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. a piece of shit. I've met him a bunch of times. He's a total douche. Yeah, well. He's a big he's a big wrestling nerd, and he's a douche hat. Yeah, I, I did like his YouTube video on the death of Superman, though. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah, but he needs to keep his hands off girls. He also did Bright, so, you know, yeah. hit or miss on that <laughs> one. Bright was terrible. I forget. Wait, no, Awful. Bright? What is Bright? Oh, Bright was... That's the one with Will Smith and the orcs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Will Smith and orcs are cops and stuff. And okay, there's, there's that, some line that's like, all fairy lives matter or some shit. It's that's so stupid. Terrible. But yeah, it, it's all terrible. Yeah, you're right. It, it's bad. Don't watch Bright. I, I mean, dude, we'll just watch it just to see what you think. I didn't hate it. I, I didn't hate it. I I'll, didn't hate it. I'll tell you what I did like. The only good thing about Bright is during Christmas, you know how they Netflix does the, the, the fire, the log fire uh, fireplace? Netflix has a whole channel of that. Or, or yeah, like you could, it's or, like ten hours, uh, yeah. ten hours of a fireplace. Oh, you know? Okay, yeah. So that they did a bright themed one where it's a it's a, it's a, a an oil drum lit on fire in a in a dirty alley with like with like a you know spray paint on the brick wall. Oh, see, that's fun. And bright, I did like yeah, the uh, cool. the music in bright because I hadn't seen um, black metal and speed metal you know represented in that way. And that was kind of cool. That's true. Yeah, or, orcs that's have true. good taste in music. We'll just put it that way. Yeah, that's about it. Um, well, yeah, so that's it. I mean, I mean, that to me, like, that's the big, that's the big silver lining. And that's what I'd like to see more of going into the roaring 20s, which is more of this sort of mid-level and independent film, especially in the world of horror. I mean, we got like a shutter. We have a whole network yeah. dedicated to horror. I mean, Bloody Disgusting is killing it. I'm highly critical of critics, but those guys always do a bang up job of like informing the audience and acting as an accompanying piece to the larger work rather than just being critical and shitting on it like a lot of like you know bush league sites do yeah they're the, they're like the fangoria of the internet yeah of this generation yeah. i think and Which, not the bloody disgusting is new but like of of our generation they're like the famous monsters of the 2010s you know i think they've really seen a resurgence i mean again shudder shudder seen a resurgence but again steeped in nostalgia if you look at creep show yeah that's, yeah. But but they also released Mandy, so that's what I'd like to see more of. I mean, I, I I'm hoping that the nostalgia kick 
is left behind in the 2010s and in the 2020s we get more original weirder content more tusk worthy content that's what the 2020s need i think i think it will i think it's what i said i think they're just the two the the tens brought us a a new kind of technology things they, they changed so much and, and writers and creators didn't really know how to deal with it. So they just, they just took a step backwards and kept writing as if it was the last decade. And that's like that. And that's, that's where I was coming from the other day. We, we had a conversation on Christmas, you and I, where I was saying uh, the, eh, the century is finally ending. And you were going, what are you, what are you talking about? It ended 20 years ago. And, and I said, no, no, man, it's, it hasn't, it has just kept on keeping on, uh, for for twenty years, it won't go away. The the twentieth century just won't stop, and uh, and I and I still feel that way. I, I think that uh, like the Ramones uh, wrote, you know, back in the seventies, it's the end of the seventies, it's the end of the century, and uh, Joey Ramone was complaining because he didn't want the seventies to end. But I I'm going, right. man, I'm ready for the end of the century. This thing keeps going. It still feels like the twentieth century. It's still the same nostalgia being brought back forty years later. Cut it out. Let's move on. And I, th- I think we're going to. I think 20s is that. I I think that nostalgia train started in the 90s, to be honest with you. If you think about, like, fashion, right? Uh, what did everyone have, like, in 90210? They had, like, the pompadours, and they had, like, the long sideburns, kind of bringing back that 50s look. You had, like, you had like bell bottoms. Remember, like, bell bottoms were back for a little while in the 90s? Yeah. yeah. And then in the aughts, you had, like, with the, the, the band The Strokes come out, and they had, like... That sort of 70s Lou Reed inspired minimalistic kind of garage rock was kind of really popular for a while. And then it's just it's just been a parade of like nostalgia since then. You know, we just like moved through the decades trying to like reclaim something. You're right. It's time to end. It's time for the century. There there is hope because some of my younger friends have been buying Nine Inch Nails T-shirts and typo negative T-shirts and uh, getting into, you know, 90s uh, orgy you know alternative electronic music from the 90s and they feel really edgy wearing that so so we may be about to finally transition over to where nostalgia is no longer 20th century or or whatever look at us or just get past i've long since i've long since kept that at a certain point you're going to run out of stuff to like copy so at some point it's like it's like y2k it's a creative y2k okay the countdown has begun and at a certain point, you have stolen all the stuff from the previous generations that you could possibly mine. It's time to come up with your new stuff because the countdown is coming and, it, and it's about to be the end of the creative century. Yeah, it could be. I I do feel that... Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, shit. <laughs> Sorry. Want to go to the mailbag? Wait, no, because if we go to the mailbag, all that's going to still be in the show. <laughs> Me just having a fucking mind fart. <laughs> just the end of it. <laughs> Fine, go to the mailbag, keep this, whatever. Mailbag! Questions from Crypt. Sam Blair asks, any recommendations on good movies or series to watch? Matt, do you want to go first on this one? Hell yeah, I do, because I've been watching The Witcher on Netflix. I'm only about halfway through it, but that the is Witcher. fun, man. Witchers are like superheroes in medieval times they're like crazy mutant kids that that get raised up into grizzled psycho warriors that only fight monsters and uh it's it's awesome i I read the books a while back i've played the video games and uh i feel like the show is is definitely doing it justice it has that oh yeah it has that witch vibe dude it's it's nasty fighting it's it's mean fighting it's sword in the face kind of fighting you know how how do you feel about um, Henry Cavill as the Witcher? He's great. I think he's really good. Like I was kind of worried about him, you know, because he's he's kind of a pretty boy. But no, they they he they, they, gri- they like grizzled him up pretty good, man. They put the white wig yeah. on him and gave him the cat eyes, and he he talks Listen, all quiet the whole time. And uh, Look, I like it. I, I'm like not it saying he's. I'm not. I'm not saying he's terrible. But all I keep. I've only watched the first episode. Of fairness, oh. and I was in a in a slightly altered state when he, I did he's so, barely but, in the first episode. But, like, don't you – I mean, all I could think the whole time was, like, how much cooler would this show be if Josh Brolin or Ron Perlman had been cast as The Witcher? Uh, they, they're – no. They're not in – they're, no, they're, so, they're, they're nowhere old. near the shape that The Witcher would be. The you know, Witcher's uh, – Josh Brolin got jacked. Did you see him as Thanos? Uh, Dude was, like, nine feet tall and purple. Yeah, but no. No. Uh, Cavill's doing it, man. He's good. I approve okay. of this. All right. Watch The Witcher. Um. 
So I think, Sam, that you've already watched The Mandalorian. Otherwise, I would recommend The Mandalorian because it's fantastic. Have you watched this yet, No, Matt? still have not watched that. Dude, you got to get on it, man. So, like, did you like Firefly? I do like Firefly. I still like Firefly. It's a great show. Okay, it feels like a spiritual successor to Firefly. It's a little less, it's a little less like, you know, without giving too much away, it's a little less bantery. You know, it's a little bit more like lone gunman, like lone samurai vibe. But it has that same sense of like modern Western adventure. Like it's so cool. Um, the ending was great. I, I, I It's excellent. But you've probably already seen it. So then I'm going to recommend you watch Death Note, the anime, not the shitty Netflix movie. You didn't even watch that movie. It. I read the synopsis. And it <laughs> I read terrible. the synopsis. The movies. It, I did. It did it's you know not what? That you know bad. what? Look, I, I will probably watch it as a matter of comparison. However, before uh, before reading the synopsis, I I was talking to Jess, and I guessed at what changes they made because she's a big Death Note fan, and she did not like the movie. And I said, I bet you they made it. I was like, I. Having knowing nothing about it, I said, I bet you they saw it and they said, it's a young adult story. Therefore, we have to keep it in high school and you got to have a love interest because that's got to be an important thing because it's about young, young kids watching dreamy people in love. And then um, it's probably got to have some sort of like they, they won't make light of true antihero. So even though in the age of Breaking Bad and Sons of Anarchy, like we've had Sopranos, we have a million bad guys as the protagonist. Yeah. So he'll probably be like bullied or something. So it's like justifies the usage of the Death Note. And then I read the synopsis. So I was like, dude, I nailed you, that. You and I haven't seen, accurate. I don't even think I've seen the trailer. Yeah, this is just, yeah. <laughs> this is just me knowing the way studios work when they don't get the source material. Yeah. They're like, it's about young people, so it can't be intelligent. So let's just make it about, you know, dreamy lovers, star-crossed lovers, and the danger that comes upon them when temptation comes. Hey, whatever. Yeah. Look, uh, I'll, I'll probably at some point get around to watching it, but I love the show. And if you love, as I mentioned at the top of the show, the sort of Sherlock, Moriarty, like cat and mouse, like battle of wits, this is a show for you. It's about 37 episodes long. I have some qualms about the ending, but I don't want to ruin it. So just watch it yourself. Not the ending, just the last seven episodes or so. Uh, I think it's excellent. I can't recommend it enough. It's it's uh, if you got a week to just binge or whatever, like I I recommend it. It's a smart show and it's worthy of being paid attention to. All right, Death Note, highly recommended by okay. Dave. Five Tusk Five. for Death Note. Ooh, very nice, very nice. I respect that. What's what's the next question? Lance Lanfear asks. On stormtroopers and such, has giving them such a personality, i.e. opening scene of episode 8 of The Mandalorian, etc., lost their bad guy feel and killing soldiers' edge, or is it exactly what they needed? Now, Matt, you've not seen The yeah, Mandalorian. Yeah, what happens in this scene without getting too much spoilers or whatever? Hey, it's, it's, nothing, it's nothing that would ruin the okay. plot. Um, it, it's basically, there's two stormtroopers, and they're waiting with the parcel, and they have a conversation. And it's a little bantery. Right. It, it's actually a throwback. You know what it is? It's a, it feels like a throwback to the kind of banter, a little bit more comedic, I guess, that like Jules and and um, is not Vince. Yeah. Vince and Vega. Yeah. Jules and Vince and Vega have before they like do the shoot up at the top of um, Pulp okay. Fiction. You know, it's La like Royale they're sitting cheese, waiting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They, they sit and waiting and they just start having a conversation. Like, let's hold back and let's chat. So there's a little comedy there, and it kind of explains, it like roughly explains why like stormtroopers have such bad aim. Like it's like their guns, you know, like they're like they're doing target practice, and they keep missing this can that's like right in front yeah. of them. And they're like, he's like, I think at one point he shakes his blaster, and you can hear like that that's that distinct sound that like a spray can has yeah, when you like loose parts inside. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like loose parts. Like, and did yeah. you see? Did you see Rogue One? Uh, no, I didn't see Rogue One. I, I avoid a lot. So of there's Star Wars again stuff for some reason. Again, but these are the two things that are actually yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Like the the there's like a scene in that again. It doesn't ruin the plot at all. It's just like an aside where the stormtroopers talk about how like the old model of gun, like the new model of guns, are like not accurate. You know, That's like funny. like the like like as the empire grew, like they just started like skimping. You know, on so like quality making, level, making and so the, uh, plot armor from the original movies canon. That's great. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. So exactly. What, so what so, he's asking basically, though, what what a question's asking is basically like. Uh, 
are star should we like stormtroopers now or should we? Hate well, I think them? he's asking like, do if you if you humanize them and you sort of add a comedic element to them, do does it take away from their sort of the the idea of them like being like these threatening killing soldiers? And I don't think so. And and I don't think so because, I mean, they weren't that threatening to begin with. They were cannon fodder. They're basically red shirts. You know, they had terrible aim. I mean, the reason that you can get meta with them is because for years people were like, you know, they're basically like the terrible aim, just faceless things that you can kill that no one's going to feel bad about. There's no there's no gravity or weight to killing a stormtrooper because, I mean, George Lucas went so far as to make them clones to further dehumanize well, that, That's them. what's weird is that uh, there's been so many things since then. You, you know, YouTube series, a comedy series about stormtroopers, memes and comics, all, all kinds of stuff moving forward and it's a, it's one of the most uh popular cosplays everybody does it and storm oh, stormtroopers have become kind of like a beloved part of uh, the culture and we forget that they are totally evil they're horrible they're like the nazis of the space of star wars they're they're really really bad people bent on a very totalitarian and horrible uh end and um they're they'll they'll kill anyone. They're they're just they're awful, awful, awful people. They're just the worst army, uh, morally, think- ethically. They're they're just as as low as you can get. And that, but you're right because I I, I recently I got that Jedi Fallen Order, the new uh, Star Wars video game. Have you played that yet? Yeah, right. No, but I'm thinking about buying a PlayStation. Dude, it's 4. so good. It's really cool because this is the is one it? you know, like a few years back, uh, EA uh, Electronic Arts, the publisher, put out. Uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 and people were saying we, we don't want another multiplayer Star Wars game just give us an adventure and uh, they were they were actually right. working on one at the time but they decided to can it because they said those don't produce any money and no one wants them well the market spoke and we finally got that adventure and that's that's the new Star Wars uh, Jedi Fallen Order it's really fun but uh, I'll tell okay. you man it's right off the bat like some stormtroopers you know so the Empire comes and they're pulling some shit and like as soon as you see stormtroopers, you are whacking at them with a lightsaber, striking them dead. And you have this moment where even though you the in the intro, even though you just saw this same army mercilessly kill your best friend just for saying the wrong thing, you're like, whoa, I was a little hard on those stormtroopers right there. I didn't mean to kill them. You know, like you kind of feel like, should I be killing right. these guys? Like they're just stormtroopers. Well, but think, no, they're stormtroopers. They're the evil ones. They're really evil. But see, but see, I think that's where, that's where there's a big divide when it comes to like this arrested development of fandom, right? When you're kids, it's easy to just have stormtroopers be just bad guys, faceless bad guys. But as you get older and you start to like, in theory, understand how war works in the real world and like the idea that like we're all German sh- soldiers doing World War II Nazis. Most of them are probably not. Well, yeah, but th- this isn't you know? the real world. This is the Star No, I know Wars that, but, but, world, but should know? we, but, but that begs the question and, and it's, there's no right answer. That's just an opinion, but should you infuse a little bit of reality with a, you mentioned earlier, like we're the most educated generation of all time, yeah. right? Which I don't think is actually I, I accurate. I'm pretty sure there's people the in the, best. We're awesome. the light we're age. Amazing. But but if we're the most educated generation ever, right? If we're living in the most educated time ever, should we continue to insult our audience's um uh, what's the word I'm also, looking I for? I, Intelligence? I, I also, I should, we, it, should we I just want to clarify I didn't mean generation like you and me, our generation. I meant like the people on earth. No, I mean like the, all, the yeah, time. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, because we're in the most educated time ever. And so that begs the question, if that's true and if that's what the belief is, should we continue to insult the intelligence of said intelligent audience by giving them something too so two dimensional? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I personally uh, like it, but I'm nearly I don't 40. I think it's so totally two dimensional. I, I, enjoy I, I think it. there's a good explanation for why the soldiers of the Empire are just uh, stormtrooper, mindless soldiers that will just do whatever evil. I mean. Uh, a couple scenes before you start killing the stormtroopers, uh, their general or whatever gives this order to you know I, if we if we can't find the Jedi empathizer, uh, um, kill every worker here, and every stormtrooper just raises their guns, ready to murder all of these innocent employees of this shipyard. So yeah, they're not. They're not a big loss well, when we lose it, some storm. I'm sure well, that some of them are painters and some have family. But hey, man, they wore the white suit lot, and they took on the crappy well, rifle and they went out to do the. That's uh, not the, canon. The hand of the, that's not canon. What's that? What what is canon is they were first clones, 
And then uh, if you look at Force Awakens, it very clearly states that a lot of them are like young kids brainwashed from an early age that like are taken from their homes. Like the, basically what is established in Force Awakens is that the, the current crop of Stormtrooper are foundlings stolen from their home and brainwashed from an early age to only obey the Empire. They were, they were so dead, dead in a lot the of words, moment they got captured. Too late for them, man. Sorry, uh, sorry. Very tragic, stuff. tragic yes. figures. So I think I think Lance, it's it's personal taste. Matt feels one way, I feel another way. I personally like it. I think it makes for good humor anyway. A little bit of levity is fun. And uh, what I'd love to see, and I think I've said this for years, I'd love to see a Rosencrantz and Goldenstein version of Star Wars from the perspective of two stormtroopers. That sounds yeah. That needs to cool. happen. I'd like that. Tell all nine movies again from the perspective of two stormtroopers, yes, and then have them get killed by a good guy at the end uh, D- dave next time i see you it's going to be 2020 that's true and i wanted to know yes i think it, so. it's that yes. time of year for reflection for oh yes. looking inward i love looking and, in the mirror figuring out what's what's next so you got you got well, any I, of those resolutions you want to share with us i got a, I got a few i got a few and they're all kind of tying together so my first resolution i was pretty awesome this year I intend to be more awesome next year. That's it. You said you're going to be. That's awesome. one of them. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm going to be uh, more really, awesome. Really more really awesome took than a ever. Inward for that one, didn't you, Dave? I did. I looked in the mirror longingly. <laughs> I appreciated myself in ways that I can't discuss on air, and I decided that I was awesome in 2019. I was awesome through most of the the 2010s. But I'm going to be more awesome in the roaring well, 20s. Me and and the listeners, we respect you for being so. Uh, Getting so it's so Humble. intimate with us and uh, telling us such such oh, personal business. I get I get, int- I get intimate yeah. on the on the. Gl- mic. I'm glad to hear you plan to be awesome. That's more awesome. more awesome than you are. Okay, well, good yes. luck with that yes. in 2020. Okay, what about you? Oh, um, I uh, probably like lose 10 pounds. Uh, be able to do the splits. Uh, I could do it. I could do okay. it kind of like where you put one foot forward and one foot behind you, but I can't. I can't do the. Uh, sideways splits. Uh, I want to get those. Do you have your Chuck Norris pants? Uh, I usually try it in shorts, so I already got. Oh, that you covered. got to try them in the. The Chuck Norris pants will make you get lower. Right. So there it is. New Year's resolution: find jeans that can let me do the splits. Learn to do the splits, and lose ten pounds in the process of learning. That to do the pretty, yeah, they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, that should work. I got. I got. I got two more resolutions. Next time I see you, there's going to be a head kick coming your way, but you're going to be so awesome. No way. I'm going to dodge it. Because you're so awesome. You're going to dodge it or block it or catch it. And like, I'm going to be like, oh, what do I do now? You nut punch. Yeah, that's right. Well, I have, well, I won't nut punch you. And, and not, I'm not saying that you're this person, but I, one of my resolutions is to be nicer to stupid idiots on the internet. (laughs) Stupid idiots. Stupid idiots. Be nicer to stupid idiots. On That's the my internet. favorite thing about the internet. When people go to insult other people and they they spell it wrong, and we, we misspell podcast. You that. know what it is? It's because you're so angry. You're so angry in your typing that you're like spelling and grammar do not matter. I must express myself. No, I got to be nicer to stupid idiots on the internet. And I figured out a way. I figured out a way on how not to respond to stupid idiots on Twitter. And, and I think this is going to help me in 2020 and it will help me to be more awesome than I was even in the 2010s. I'm going to carry a death note. Okay. And instead of insulting stupid idiots on Twitter, I'm just going to write their name in the death note and then I'm going to leave it. And I think subconsciously I'll feel like I've silenced these stupid idiots without actually responding to them. And I'll just keep a death note of the names and Twitter handles of stupid idiots. So that if you, if you're on Twitter and you say some stupid idiot stuff on Twitter, you're going in the death note. Asterix teleports behind you smiles you, you never seen that teleports behind you don't know that meme yeah no. well it's, pro- it's, it's a probably it's a meme that's not going to make it to 2020 so don't worry about it <laughs> no it's okay. like it's like you're basically saying you're going to do a magic trick from an anime to your enemies and there's a lot of a lot, lot of, a lot of uh edgelords on the internet will uh they, it's they'll, symbolic they'll do that like oh i just teleported behind you you know and yeah oh yeah so, okay well little do they know <laughs> that that my co-host has taught me the the uh taught me how to do the splits kicks so when they teleport behind me i will split kick without even turning and i will kick them in the head uh, that's how flexible i'm gonna be flexible 2020 flex flex your 
legs in the 2020s, flexing into the 20s, folks, with the Grindhouse podcast. Thank you for listening for a full year of Grindhouse episodes. That's so cool that we did that and that you helped us do that. And uh, yeah, man, we want to see our Grindhouse listeners doing those splits, <laughs> flexing those muscles, being more awesome. Uh, you don't have to lose 10 pounds. I plan to. Uh, and and uh, just, yeah, doing crazy uh, kung fu moves and, and watching all the good movies that we're going to keep on recommending. And uh, so just, just, just stay with us. Uh, 2020 is probably, I think it's going to be better than 2019 was because uh, we've, we got we got some new microphones and we're a little better at this I hope so right. uh, so and stay with us we're wearing ten of you twenty twenties will all be will be all about wearing derbies and monocles. This sounds good. This is like because you kept saying bringing yeah, it back. Get, get you a monocle. Get your monocles ready. It's the twenties. Twenty twenty, the year of flapping, flapping off to the Grindhouse podcast. All right, so you, you're, we're just flapping off right now. So why don't the flapping fade it away, fade the audio down. We've done enough. It's time to say goodbye to twenty nineteen Grindhouse. See you next year. You're listening to the Grindhouse podcast on the End of an Era Network. Please follow us on Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast or listen to us every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, and now on Spotify.